Dana Davenport, and welcome to Finding Common Ground, a talk show focused on important current events and how they impact our diverse population. We are many voices of one community, often with strong opinions on every side of an issue. Here, through courageous conversation, in the interest of discovering collaborative solutions, we hope to find our common ground. And I'm Rebecca Malatke-Meslin. In this episode, we'll discuss the reopening of schools this fall for children in Naperville. After shutting down in spring due to COVID-19, parents have waited months to learn what is in store for the fall. Recently, Districts 203 and 204 shared their plans for reopening with the community. Parents are now being asked to choose between a hybrid model of in-person and remote learning or a fully online academy. No matter your circumstance, the decision is entangled with concerns about health and safety, childcare, social emotional well-being, and so much more. We'll speak with parents on all sides of the issue, along with some experts, and together we hope to find common ground. I'd like to introduce our first guests for this segment, Dr. Nisha Kokokar, um, a pediatrician in Aurora. How are you? I'm great. Great. Happy and to be here. Joe Cross, an entrepreneur in the marketing space. Yes. That's correct. Yes. Both of you all are parents. Correct. Uh, Anisha, you're in uh, District 203. That's right. And Joe, you're in District 204. Correct. Um, let's start off with, are you in favor of sending your children back to school in the fall? Um, why or why not? Um, I'm for it. And uh, I guess the real reason why and, um, is because I, I see a lot of kids already out, social dis not social distancing. Um, I do think it's a real threat. Um, it is, there's a legitimate fear, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, now that we've experienced a little bit of how the school goes when it goes online only, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the best experience, I can tell you that. Um, I would say I'm definitely for school opening, but more broadly, I'm for children. I'm a pediatrician, I'm a mom, and um, I've really seen the adverse effects on children in my practice and in my own home. Uh, my rate of diagnosing depression and anxiety has tripled. Wow. In the last, uh, since last school physical season. Tripled in children. Tripled, tripled in children. Wow. And I would say the majority of cases I'm seeing are between ages of 11 and 15. Okay. Mm. And so that, uh, that is very sobering. Um, I talked to colleagues in behavioral developmental pediatrics and they have quadrupled the amount of antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications they've had to prescribe. I will say though, in being pro-children, I'm also pro-teacher. And I think that in order for us to send children back to school, we have to take that into consideration. So I wouldn't say I'm sort of blanket pro-school mm -hmm. opening, I'm more pro-child. And part of that is uh, being pro-teacher. So. As you've seen the plans come out, what, um, you know, what aspects of the plans have instilled confidence in, in your decision as well? As far as? The health and safety. I mean, they, I, we know that there's a lot of specifics that people are still asking for, yeah. um, but they're trying to give us some, some broad kind of overarching goals in terms of, you know, they're going to be separating the kids based on uh, last names, right? So right. only half are going to be going. So are you feeling confident in their ability to execute on those plans? I believe that uh, that's a, I don't want to sound brutal, but yeah, that's going to be hard to implement. I mean, so many questions on that. Like, are you going to 
make the meet during school or they not or they have to wear masks during the school day i mean there's a lot of questions when it comes to that and at the end of the day like yeah i think it's going to be too much for the teachers to handle in my opinion i think it's gonna be hard for them to control that and i mean just just taking my kids out to church they're not social distancing they all want to hang out they want to talk they want to play with each other so i don't know how that i don't know how they're going to be able to control that I would say what gives me great confidence is I really do like our governor. I think he's done an amazing job. And I think that if our numbers rise, he will be going back into phase three. Other things that make me feel comfortable is the way that coronavirus is transmitted. It's uh, put into the body by ACE, uh, ACE receptors. And children, if you look at um, if you look at recent studies, have fewer ACE receptors than adults. So as you go from age zero to 18, the amount of ACE receptors in the nose increase. And so the infectivity and the potential for children to be vectors really increases after age 10 to 11. So and say so, that in layman's terms so for the people in, in the audience. In, in layman's terms, basically children are less likely to not only contract the the virus, but also to transmit it. Yeah. And that risk increases after age 12. So I do think, especially in the elementary school, there, there's less potential for disease spread. It's not like the flu. Mm -hmm. in, the, in the case of the flu, kids spread the flu like wildfire. Mm -hmm. But right. that is not the case with this virus. That is not what studies from Europe and Japan um, and Korea have shown us. So. I do think that that is something that also gives me comfort. Yeah. It appears in, in other countries where the coronavirus um, is not as high, uh, people haven't been returning to school. So do you think it should be considered on a state-by-state -state basis? Because our numbers are very different than other parts of the country as well. Do you think we should take that into consideration as to what other states are doing or just do our own thing here <coughs> locally? No. <laughs> Because if you think about it, what's going on in Florida right now where they had a spike in cases and they're opening schools regardless. So, no, I think we have to go by what's going on and what's in our state and going on in our counties. And I, I don't think so, no. I think if there was more of a centralized approach to reopening, then we would need to follow what other states are doing. But given that each state uh, has sort of made their own policy due to a myriad of reasons, mm -hmm. it is probably better that we do what is best for our state and reflect the prevalence in our own state. Yep. So with the potential for an online model, um, I think parents are preparing, even if you, you do intend to do the hybrid model, which is part remote learning and part mm -hmm. in person, um, there's also that worry that at some point if we do go back to phase three, we know we're going to go back to remote learning. Talk to us about the impact that you anticipate that that's going to have. And, and you might obviously reflect back on what happened in the spring, but what are your worries around that going back into phase three and going back into fully remote learning? Well, my oldest that's in junior high, he, he gets a little more extra help with the schoolwork. So yeah, for us, I mean, it was, it was pulling teeth to get him to go through all the modules and, and the, the modules weren't easy. I mean, they're pretty hard and trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing. So in that sense, I mean, yeah, we, you know, we're for going all going back to school completely, to be honest. But if we're going to have it this route, yeah, the, as far as the remote learning, I mean, I just feel like it's just not getting the same impact, right? It's mm -hmm. not, it's not getting the same impact if, if they were in class. 
I will say I work with a lot of children with complex developmental needs, and I do have a child with who does also receive not a and lot extra, of extra help, but enough that she was greatly impacted last spring. Um, In what way? Um, well, she generally receives uh, assistance in math, and right. that was not provided. Right. Yeah. And so I am not a teacher. Um, that is not my strong suit, <laughs> you know? And I had to learn to teach her. And it's not that I don't want to take that on. It's just for a 12-year-old, that's very demoralizing to have your mom help you or feel yeah. like you needed your mom to help. Right. Well, and it blurs um, all those lines, right? I think yes. as parents, you know, one of the things that... Uh, I've I've learned in my years of parenting and also working in schools is trying to create those spaces in which we get to just be parents and get to be there to love and support. I mean, I think we all know what homework looks like with our kids. Right. And um, for a lot of parents, they just felt like, oh my gosh, we already struggle with maybe homework battles at home or just trying to get them through homework after they've been in school all day. And then being pushed into that remote learning, it felt like, oh, now we're going to do this. Now we're doing this all the time. Right. Um, so blurring those lines in, in relationships, I think, with, with parents. Now we're teachers and we're parents, and it's difficult to, to separate those two. Right. And some of us parents are just terrible teachers. Yes, you know? it's just, I would it's say It's not what you're used it's to. It's not my forte. Right. Um, exactly. Um, yes. And so I think that that plays into it. Kids often can just be different when they're away from you, mm -hmm. when they're at school. They perform differently oftentimes better you know, oh, yeah. for, for teachers and um, tutors, therapists, et cetera. We, we also have so many children who are nonverbal. Yeah. And it's very difficult for them to learn over Zoom. Basically, they need one adult sitting with them the whole time. Yeah. It is, I've seen both. I've seen some children who are very anxious uh, socially uh, they've thrived at home, but then others, you know, uh, they they need services, and it's very difficult uh, for teachers to render those services virtually. The Illinois Federation of Teachers recently recommended that the school year begin with remote learning. Do you agree with their recommendation? Um, no, I do not. Does that influence you at all? Uh, as far as we, what do you mean by that? Does it influence me? Does it influence your, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm against that. Yeah. There's no more, there, I don't think there's any more, anybody more essential than a teacher, right? I mean, we, we're, we're opening, like, fast food places. We're opening other areas yes. that I don't think is essential. If there's anybody that's essential, it's a teacher, right. period. So how do you reconcile that with teachers who have health concerns, health risks, um, are afraid at the amount of exposure uh, you know, in transmission. There have been, there've been summer school stories where teachers have contracted the virus, and we don't know exactly where they've contracted it from, right? It may or right. may not have been in school. Um, but, but what do we say to, to those teachers who are afraid of, of the health risks? I think that their concern is legitimate, and yeah. I think that I don't blame them for recommending that. I mean. Uh, had we, as a country, prioritized the opening of schools over some of these other yeah. facilities, I don't mean that disrespectfully to small business owners, I, I don't mean that at all, no. but had we prioritized our children, we would have opened the schools before the rest of the economy. Um, so I don't blame them for being concerned, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure, at least 
from what I've seen of the district's proposal, I'm not really sure that they have things ironed out to a point where if I was a teacher, I would be comfortable. Uh, we were faced with the same issue as pediatricians or as physicians. Mm -hmm. Everyone was saying, oh, yay, heroes. Uh, I, you know, I didn't sign up for that. And here I am, you know, you, they're thrust into this position just as we were as physicians. They are essential, 100%. Sure. I would argue that teachers are, are very important to our society and we don't value them the way we need to. Right. But, um, so I can understand their concerns. I think if we as a society had changed how we opened things, if our district had had a little bit more of a plan for the teachers, then they might feel safer coming back into the classroom. It appears with, and I want to go back to this because we, yeah. we talked about it earlier, it appears, I want you to give some advice, it appears that there has, um, there's two different models with respect to the hybrid model and going back and how students go back. Um, one is alphabetically where kids go back on certain days depending on their names in the alphabet. Another that had been proposed, another idea that had been proposed was um, organizing students more by by neighborhood right. um, or kind of taking into account that perhaps these children have been around each other, uh, been exposed to each other more um, versus just more randomly alphabetically what do you think of that? And, and could that impact, perhaps in a positive way, um, the level of exposure or risk to the student body as a whole? Um, well, I think, like, here's my, th my thought on that. I don't, know if, I don't know if they've proven it or if they can prove it that two days versus three days, five days, is going to make us any safer, splitting up the classes. As of right now, as a survey that i just seen recently, 53% are against going back to school. So. If half the people are not going to go back to school anyways, which is what it seems like, then I think then all of this is more we're just taking it too far. I mean, we're, we're going to another level. But So for my oldest, he's friends with more kids that are not in our area. But for the youngest, they're, in, they're friends with the kids in the local area. So it's like a 50-50. But yeah, I can see how that would affect children because now they want to go back to school and they can't even see their friends. And I mean, you know, it's, it's just, a, just a mess, I think. I think from an epidemiological perspective or a public health perspective, I had never even heard of this, the neighborhood things. I just don't know the numbers. I don't know mm -hmm. the stats in the right. different schools and how they draw from different communities. So yeah. um, I think that that would be a really um, safer idea. And I never thought of that, to be honest. Um, but I don't know how it is to the run a district. The neighborhood you're saying? Yeah, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. but yeah. I don't know how it is to run a district. Right. Yeah. Beyond the, the classroom, and I think for the most part we're kind of visualizing what our kids are going to look like physically in their classroom spaces, we're also talking about extracurricular activities. And again, I don't think any of those plans have really been um, fleshed out in terms of what that's going to look like, but how, how comfortable do you feel having your child participate in recess or participate in extracurriculars, let's say athletics and things like that, that might uh, be a relaxed social distancing? Well, I mean, I'm comfortable with it, but I also, since we're on that topic, you know, I've, I still see people out and their kids are in sports still currently. I'm still seeing kids hanging out in crowds of 10 or more. Uh, just recently, I went to this new splash thing in Naperville. Everyone's hanging out. There's no mask. So I'm wondering, is it the same people that are saying that or the same people that are 
putting their kids in school. So I mean, if you're going to do one, just do it all. I mean, if, if we're really that, if it's a real legitimate fear, then we shouldn't just go back at all. If that, if they really think that. But for me, I, I don't think it is. I don't think it's really that big of a fear for me. I see it a little differently because uh, maybe I'm old school, you know, <laughs> child, child of two immigrants, right? School is very important. It is very important. important right? um, and for me, both my girls are musical um, and they both sing. So they're, uh, they're in the Young Naperville Singers. Uh, and obviously singing is an aerosol generating mm -hmm. uh, uh, endeavor. Absolutely. So it's kind of out um, mm -hmm. yeah. for now, at least in person. Right. Um, but I don't think that at recess uh, we should be removing our masks. But I think they need to play. They need, children out. need to play. Yeah. Right. So if they're both wearing their masks, all the kids are wearing their masks, they're not you know, sending their little droplets across the yeah. <laughs> you know, abyss, I'm okay with that. Because and they're wearing their masks right. properly, yeah. right? Like right. over the nose. Yes, not like, like, you know, or an eye patch or a yeah. headband. I see adults not you know? doing that. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> but all I, the time. I think then, yes, because they need to play. Children, so much of their well-being and their development is related to play. So they need each other. They need right. that play. Need Do they need to go play competitive baseball and sit like this next to each other in the dugout? I don't know about that. Right. To me, I just want them to go to school. Right. You know, I want to yeah. prioritize that yeah. and then minimize exposure elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Speaking of your kids, do they have an opinion about returning to school? Mine? Oh, they, yeah. Even the oldest that hates school. He's like, how, he's like oh, how did he word it? I want my life back. That's kind of yeah. how he said, I want my life back. Because he misses it. And this was the child that did not want to go back. Yeah. But all three of them, definitely, they, they definitely want to go back. Anisha? Yeah, so I have two children. Both are very uh, much wanting to go back. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, they miss their friends. They yeah. miss their social interaction. And my older child, who does have some disabilities, told me, I learn better in person. I mean, uh, to me, that's a, you know, I have to consider that, despite my own fears. Despite, as a parent, we don't want to put our children in danger ever. But I think that it's important to look at the whole child. And being depressed is also part of a danger that of sorts. Danger, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for being with us and sharing mm -hmm. your thoughts and feelings about this really big topic that we're all considering as parents in Naperville. So we're going to be right back with more Finding Common Ground. In Naperville, we know that community counts. In fact, it's in our name. As Naperville Community Television, we have the privilege of showcasing what makes this award-winning city a wonderful place to raise a family, to make a living, and to enjoy life's journey. That's why it's our mission to capture on camera those special moments that connect us. Those stories that impact our lives. Stories you won't see anywhere else. So watch Naperville Community Television on air, online, and on social media. Welcome back to Finding Common Ground, where we are talking about the reopening of schools and whether that is a good idea or not. Joining us now are our guests, Kelly Marshall and Fee Shane John. How are you all doing? 
Good. Doing good. good. Thank you good. so much for joining us. You both are parents yes. in the Naperville School District mm -hmm. with children here. Um, can you tell us whether you are for or against schools reopening fully uh, in person? You want to go ahead? Uh, I definitely will say I'm against. Um, I think with the plans that they have uh, outlined thus far, I don't think they're as robust as they need to be because there is many different things that you have to think about. It's not just the kids, it's the, the teachers, it's the, the staff, and then what that looks like if one kid gets infected, does that mean the entire school shuts down? Does it mean like that classroom shuts down? So it's like for me, I feel like if they were to put together a better plan, whereas it gives me that sense of peace and comfort that if I was to send my child to school, that he's gonna be okay, I'd be for it. But right now, I don't think it's a good idea. So you need details. I need details, details, details. And I've been watching all the news with other states and their reopenings and, and how that has gone about and it frightens me and I just don't want Illinois to be in a situation just like that. So that's where my biggest concern comes from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, in my viewpoint, it's, it, it's definitely personal. Um, I would never judge a parent for what they decide is best um, for their children, for their family. We all have different situations. For our personal situation, um, I will not want to send my children to school right now um, for the things that you said. I mean, we don't know what these plans are going to look like. I don't know what the cafeteria is going to look like. Are they going to be eating together in the gym? Are they going to be in their classroom? Um, I have a um, son entering kindergarten. He will not keep a mask on. It's just not happening. So I don't know what to do with that. Um, I do think that they're trying to do the best that they can with the information that they have, but nobody has all of the information right now. And because of that, and for us, I'm against the school openings, but at the same time, I do know that it might be necessary um, because there may be some issues of access to certain things um, for certain families. So it's, it, it's tough. I think it, it, it's a really tough thing, and I've just been going back and forth with this <laughs> ever since our district announced their plans for hybrid or online. What do I want to do? Right. So, so I'm as, stressed. <laughs> so when they released the, the, the online academy, I think mm -hmm. there was, um, and, and also right, the hybrid model has that remote learning piece, and they seemed really clear about the fact that it was going to look different mm -hmm. than what we saw in the spring. But let's talk a little bit about what the spring looked like maybe in your household a little bit and, and what you learned from that experience. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> as a working mom, it was tough. Um, I work in, um, as a buying assistant. And for me, my job is so busy because I'm usually always working 10 months ahead. So it was like a little bit of a challenge for me to have to get my son up, get him fed, get him dressed, get him online get him going with his program. Meanwhile, I've got all this work behind me that needs to be done, that I'm behind on, and then once he's done with his few hours of his curriculum, then he's got assignments that has to be done that day. So it's like trying to find that happy medium where I get a great deal of work done for my job, but then also making sure that I get him and his curriculum done so that he's not missing his assignments. And so it was very frustrating for me when we first got started. I'd say probably like by week three, I was like, okay, I could do this. Found a rhythm. Absolutely, yeah. but I said, if I have to do this on a continuous basis, absolutely, this would not, this would not be essential for me. Um, and to your point, yeah, the kids, they really do need to get back to school because mm -hmm. some of the things that they get during their, their course of the day, mm -hmm. not only the physical exercise, 
but the, the stimulation, the socialization. And I know it's been hard for kids because they can't see their friends, they can't see their favorite teachers, they can't run around and do the things that they were doing before. So, I mean, it's, for me, it was definitely a challenge. Um, so it's, it weighs heavily on my heart. <laughs> Let me tell you about my spring. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened in my household. Let me set the scene for you. I have an eight-year-old, I have a five-year-old, and I have a one-year-old, okay? One-year-old, not leaving my side. I, too, work from home remotely. Um, I worked as the director of admissions for a college, and um, I'm in a two-income household. My husband is an essential worker, so he's gone. <laughs> so I just felt all of the mommy guilt and had to talk to all of my mommy friends because mm -hmm. the remote thing just wasn't working. Mm -hmm. yeah. To get an eight-year-old to try to sit down it's and tough. look at yeah. some PowerPoint slides. And be engaged in their right. school. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. And then my five-year-old, um, who was just, um, just, and that's another thing, IEPs. He just tested out of his IEP, so he was getting services. Um, but it just it just didn't it just didn't happen like I don't want to sit there and just look at some PowerPoint slides so when they talk about the online Academy and they brought that up my question was well what percentage of this will be synchronous because I noticed that my eight-year-old when I said oh it's time for um, a zoom class a zoom meeting and you get to see your friends and you get to see your teacher she's there and she's listening and she's engaged but we didn't have much of that in the spring mm -hmm. so for me I, like going back in the fall it's really gonna <laughs> I'm going to be banking on these synchronous hours, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you Absolutely. know, and seeing how much, you know, they can get out of these yeah. um, synchronous hours because I, too, have a demanding yeah. job. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't do it all. Yeah. I can't do it all. I think, so. and I will say, my son did summer school. Um, he has special needs, mm -hmm. and so he had an opportunity to meet uh, with teachers from about 8.30 to about 11.30 mm -hmm. with, a, with a break in between, mm -hmm. kind of mid-morning. Mid and it was synchronous, and it was, mm -hmm. it was really good in terms of his engagement. Now, he was, he's a rising sixth grader, so he's a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And I do think age plays into mm -hmm. um, how this learning from home situation works. I think the older you are, on some levels, the more uh, able you are to participate right. in an online academy, online learning, even though there's still challenges there as well. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything about the plan that you've seen thus far that provides you some semblance of, of comfort, or, or is there anything about the plan that, that you think is good or, or heading us in the right direction for when we do return to school, if it doesn't happen, uh, when they say right now it's going to happen? Um, I definitely feel like um, they released, um, I guess, their plan uh, last night. And so they, they give you the option of, like, they call it like a hybrid program. So you can either do like uh, some days in school, uh, some days online, or you can completely go to online. So I think it really does, um, for me, I was happy about that because I didn't want it to be like a one-stop shop where it's like either you do online or you do full class. Right. So which that gives me a little little sense of comfort that okay, if should I decide that, okay, I'm having a day where I just feel like oh my gosh, I'm like the worst mom, and I want to send my child to school is for you know make sure of course he wears a mask and so forth that I can have that option, or if there was a kid that came to school that had a, a 
a runny nose. And I go, oh, no, 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 we're going to stay home this day. So I'm glad that they did give us those options because it did kind of help make my mind a little bit at ease when they said, oh, okay, well, it's not just like one or the other. So, and I do think that with a lot of parents, especially working parents, this is going to be a good thing for them, but it's just what it looks like. What does it look like? Are we looking at other states to see how their school programs are running or, or if they've done this on a trial basis to see exactly what's the pros and cons of it? It's a difficult situation all the way around. Um, I was hoping there would be a fully online option because I figured that's what I would head towards. Um, and my biggest thing with what they presented was, again, how much would be synchronous because I know I am too busy to really sit with um, my daughter that's going into third grade and my son that's going to be a kindergartner to have both of them and then to sit with them the entire time and be able to do my job is not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So I do like that that percentage has increased. Um, and then Dana, like you said, it looked a little different, the summer learning from yeah. the spring. Okay. Yeah. It's gotten, I think it's improved. I think, okay. you know, giving them compassion and grace for when this all hit, right? right. I think mm -hmm. they had no right. idea how to respond initially, right. which makes sense, right? right? I mean, I think they did right. the best they could. I think we kind of yeah. hobbled over the finish line to spring break. Right. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then it was like, let's just take a week to just kind of figure this out. Yeah. And I think it got better after that. Okay. Um, I think it was a kind of a setback or a downer for many people when we realized mm -hmm. we were going to continue throughout the end of the year, right? Because right. it was like, let's do two weeks, then let's do the end of April. Then it's like, you know what? Yeah. The end of the year is just kind of a wrap, mm -hmm. right? which I think was very disappointing. But but. I think people have also become more resilient yes. in mm -hmm. terms of their expectation, right? Yes. Now we know how this pandemic mm -hmm. is. We know how this is going to hit, um, or we actually have a sense of what can happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're better prepared, you know, in that sense, mm -hmm. in that regard. Um, the, as you know, you may have not, as you may know, the Illinois Federation of Teachers has recommended that school begin with remote learning mm -hmm. exclusively mm -hmm. um, as a working parent mm -hmm. and, and seeing kind of how things were um, for you during um, the spring. Um, that, that kind of goes along with some of your thoughts and ideas. What concerns do you have, though, um, as a working mom and, and how all this will roll out? Kelly, your yeah. son is going to be a kindergartner? Yes. You know, does that milestone um, impact you in your decision? First day of kindergarten, well, sitting it, at the kitchen table? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it definitely impacted my decision because I know my five-year-old. I know that he does not want to wear a mask. Um, it's hard for him to keep it on. I know that he's kind of all over the place and I can't see him really, you know, social distance, six feet apart. Don't go run over to your friend over there and talk to them because you're so excited. Like, I, I, already, I already know that, so that's not going to work. Um, and with the suggestion of um, all schools starting remotely, um, if there's a way to provide whatever services or that parents may need for their children while schools are still you know remote at least for the beginning that's something that I would like to see to try to protect health and safety of everyone um, but at the same time not leaving um, our children behind with any of the necessary services that they need if there's some way to do that I completely agree um, I think that um, for me with the idea of the first couple of weeks or whatever that looks like um, being remote learning. Um, for me, it's really not too much of an issue because I'm working from home right now, but that could very well change. And so that, then that's when you have to start thinking about like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. It's like, how are you going to work this out with work so that 
if there's specific days that you need to be home. What, so it's like there's still a lot of those unknowns because even from my, my workplace perspective, we still really don't have an idea of when we're going to return to work or what that looks like and uh, because, you know, are we going to return like part of the week and the other half work from home. So there's still all these variables that are in the air that it's like, well, it's like the, the fear of the unknown, so to speak. It's like, oh, my gosh. It's like, okay, what, what's going to happen? I don't know. I guess we'll just play it by ear. How, so th thank you for bringing that up because I think employers in this space are really, you know, whether you are an employer mm -hmm. or whether, you know, and you have employees or you're reporting to someone else, um, talk a little bit about maybe what you've experienced um, either yourself or you've seen colleagues experience mm -hmm. in terms of being at home with your kids and, and preparing for the fall and that kind of planning process. Well, I, my boss actually been, has been very supportive and has basically said that whatever you need, we're here for you. Um, and just know that we still need you to be present and accounted for when you're at work, whatever that looks like, whether it's coming into the office or just being uh, working remotely. Um, so I told her, I said, well, once I have a little bit better idea of which direction that the school is going, and then more importantly, an idea of what my, my, uh, myself and my son's father what that looks like, then we can start to talk about what does work look like for me going forward. So um, I work for a university, and we kind of we have our fall plan now, and so it will be a hybrid model um, at my college. And so the president of the university is wonderful, and she says like our health and our safety come first. Uh, however, since we will be having some students that may opt to come back, um, we want to have somewhat of a presence if we can in the offices. So that's a difficult part because it, first it depended on what is my school district doing? You know, right. what's, what's going to happen with my childcare? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then weighing all the options. Well, I've decided I would like to start off with online academy. Okay, well then what is my childcare going to look like? Okay, you would really like to see me maybe one day a week, but health and safety is first. and. I, I, <laughs> I don't, well, it feels I like all those pieces, right, they're all moving at the same time. Absolutely. So we're waiting for our schools, children. we're waiting yes. to see about childcare, we're waiting yes. to see about our own employers, right? Yes. And so many variables. Yeah, well, and I've, really, seen, really I've seen a ton of grace. I feel like people yeah. have been um, incredibly kind. I've seen a lot of people really showing each other grace in, mm -hmm. in these times, um, especially, I think, folks with parents. Uh, how mm -hmm. many conference calls have we been on where somebody's Kids child is like running, <laughs> running after them, you know, my leaving, life. dogs barking, my favorite are the cats that crawl across the Zoom call. Um, so I, I feel like we've seen a lot of that and I keep kind of waiting to see when is the rubber going to hit the road? Like when yeah. is everybody going to go, okay, but now mm -hmm. we have to get back to business. Yeah. Um, and then I think the worry for working parents is, okay, what is the priority, right? So right. the health and safety feels like the priority, but uh, what about our mental health? Right, absolutely. This, right, yeah. for for both our kiddos and mm -hmm. for us, and I think we're going to talk in a little while about uh, in our next segment about some of that aspect of it. Because um, who was saying about the mommy guilt, right? Yes, oh, yes. I can't even tell you how it's many real. times I felt so bad about my son wanting to do something or play with something, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I have to go back to work, mm -hmm. kiddo. Yeah, here's a television program, yeah. some snacks, and I'm like, I feel like such a bad parent yeah. because I had to do that because. Well, I had to prioritize work a little bit, and I'm like, but I mean, why should you be able to, why should you have to prioritize work versus being a parent? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, well, if you're, if you're making money, 
that's where you walk a fine line of okay it, it's got to mm -hmm. be a little bit of both and um, luckily um, I have stepkids so oftentimes when my son comes visit I'll have my stepson over so that they can keep each other mm -hmm. preoccupied so it's like then I don't feel so bad when he wants something he can just go with his brother and they go and da -da 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 -da, off they go and it's like Phew, okay I've got at least like another hour or so before they come back asking right, for all, we're all watching that clock. <laughs> so I'm like I've got a timer on going okay like, let's see how much work I can get done in that time frame before he comes back and he's like mom and it's like okay <laughs> so it's gotten better but yeah mental health is so important for not only just the kiddos but us working parents and and those that have to care for parents mm -hmm. and even just like your whole family because you've got spouses to worry about and what does that look like mm -hmm. so this will definitely this has been a test for sure does caring for parents uh, influence your decision about not wanting your kids to go back to school yes people in your family some of their health concerns. I laugh because um, my mother lives with us, so we're in that multi-generational home. home. Yeah. So that's something that we have to take into consideration. However, I laugh because my mother is like, everything's fine. Just go ahead and send them back to school. And I'm like, I am trying to protect <laughs> you, 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 and all of us. Okay. <laughs> so, which is interesting. Yeah, but we still have that issue. Um, and to her point about the 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 guilt and working, what I would tell myself is look at what's going on in the world and I just have to be grateful that I still have a job. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right now I have to be grateful that I'm you know in a position where I can do my job remotely right. mm -hmm. and I just keep trying to tell myself those things to keep moving and, and one day this will all be just a dream. Yeah. I don't want to say a bad dream but <laughs> it just feels like a nightmare. It's like I never would have imagined that we would ever be going through something like this yeah. Yeah. and in the manner in which it's, it's happening. So it's like mm -hmm. okay did I just step into an episode of the Twilight Zone right. and I'm just mm -hmm. waiting for the episode to end so I can wake up and everything's gonna be fine. Finally do your kids have an opinion about returning to school? Are they aware <laughs> of the risks? Yes. My, I talk to my son quite a bit. He's like, he's a nine-year-old, but he's like a 35-year-old trapped in a nine-year-old's body. <laughs> so he gets it. He's like, Mom, I don't want to go to school and, and get COVID. I don't want to give it to Dad. I don't want to give it to Papa. I don't want to give it to you. And I'm like, I know, buddy. It's something that we all have to worry about. I said, but you can only do your part. And I said, so that's why it's important to make sure you wear your mask. You make sure you wash your hands and don't touch your face. I know it's hard because we all touch our face, I don't know how many times a day, but just make sure that if you, if just keep your hands nice and tidy and clean so that you're not passing on any germs. And so he, he wants to go back because he misses his friends mm -hmm. and he misses his teachers and all of those little things that they get to do. But he also understands too the, the, the outcome of it if, it if it turns out to be really bad, that right. someone could get very, very sick. Right. My kids are like, I want to go to school. I want to see my friends. I want to hug. High five, just all of that. All, they just <laughs> want to do all of that. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, this is not a decision for you all to mm -hmm. make. Right. Um, we will be making this decision for you, but we will make the best of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much for sharing your thoughts okay. on yeah. all of this. We know these are tough times and tough decisions to make, so we really appreciate the conversation. Oh, you're welcome. welcome. This is a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much. And we're going to be back in just a few minutes with more Finding Common Ground.
Stay informed with NCTV 17 News Update. These free videos sent straight to your email summarize the latest information and show you what's happening around town. Visit nctv17.com slash subscribe to sign up now. Welcome back to Finding Common Ground. In this segment, we're going to be talking with a couple of guests, again, about the school reopening this fall. So first, I'd like to welcome Dr. Alicia Glover. Thank you so much Hello. for coming here. How Thank are you, you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'd like to introduce Dr. Sandra Carlson, who is a therapist um, who specializes in particularly working with children. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much both for joining us. Alicia, you're a social worker, correct? Yes. I have my undergrad in social work, yes. Awesome. And then moved on to education. I think the work that you both do with children is particularly important, give it now. Can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about how the pandemic has impacted the children that you work with and see? Mm -hmm. So the, the students that I have worked with um, have, it's really impacted them a lot. Um, they have gone through, um, you know, seven months of routines and procedures in school and then it's been taken out um, away from them. And so they are now, they have, been learning at home remotely um, while teachers are figuring out how to do things. Um, so teachers, educators, we've done the best job we can. However, um, it's, it's really been hard on kids who don't really have the, the support maybe at home or maybe have the support at home, um, but they're, their parents are working full time. So there are different, um, it's impacted kids in different ways at different grade levels across the board. What I found is uh, with the children I work with are dealing with mental illness already and so uh, kids with anxiety disorders were more anxious um, and there was again more depression. Um, but what I found was the initial few, I'd say first two months were really rough but then it seems like people sort of settled in and things settled down. The summer has I think seemed more normal because they're normally off in the summer. Um, but what I'm sensing now in this last week has been an uptick in anxiety due to the question of if I'm, am I going to go back to school or not? Mm. Um, and uh, what does that mean? So the last, last week's been rough. Do you find kids wanting to go back to school? 50-50. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I personally, I would say more kids want to go back to school than not. Um, you know, whether, you know, they can move away from the academics, they just want to see their friends. They want to be back in and just seeing people and be back in just the monotony of, of life. Um, so I find that more kids want to go back um, than not. However, they're scared, too. Um, they definitely have a lot of questions. They're definitely seeing their parents being having questions too and, and having apprehension as well. Um, so, you know, they may want to, but there are, there's also a lot of other factors that are playing a big role in how they're feeling about all of this. Well, and it's hard for us as parents because we don't have the, I mean, even experts, right? Not, don't have the answers. Right, we don't mm -hmm. have research to back up mm -hmm. right. whether or not going back is the right move, staying home is the right move. So mm -hmm. I think it's, it's always frustrating as parents, we want to have confidence when we're communicating to our children. Um, right. But right now, everybody's feeling that lack of, of confidence in what we're communicating out, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. How have, uh, you know, obviously working with children means also working with parents. Yes. Mm -hmm. So talk to us maybe a little bit about the conversations you're having with parents mm -hmm. about, you know, maybe their own anxiety about mm -hmm. all of this, but also how they're working with their children mm -hmm. through all of these transitions. Mm -hmm. You know, I can speak for, you know, as an educator and as a parent, um, I've had to be very careful having three kids at, at uh, two, um, 
middle school and one elementary, I have to be very appropriate with what I say, um, developmentally appropriate. So what I say to my middle schooler um, and my soon-to-be middle schooler may be different than what I say to my elementary child. Mm -hmm. um, so while I don't want to um, shelter them and act like everything is perfect and fine, I also want them to be aware. But I need to be careful with what I share and how I share it and when I share it. Um, so. I know that I personally have had to take some steps back with how I'm feeling um, about all of this because mm -hmm. the last thing I want to do is put my feelings of anxiousness and anxiety on my kids because they may seem okay, but I also know that in their heads they're thinking about all of this mm -hmm. and not able to verbalize it in a way that I would understand and in, in a way that they would be able to, to describe to us. So being appropriate, developmentally appropriate, um, is really important. A lot of it depends on the age of the children, too, as to how they're coping and, and what their concerns are. An interesting conversation yesterday with a girl who's going to be a junior in high school, and while she's missing her friends, they were already before the pandemic doing a lot of things online, like FaceTime mm -hmm. and, and playing video games online. Yeah. Um, so they've kept those connections. I think younger kids have suffered more yeah. because they've not had the play dates and go to mm -hmm. the playground and that. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things is her district was offering the hybrid model, and her father said to her, if you go to school, then we really can't see your grandparents mm -hmm. during the time you're in school at which point both she and her younger sister decided they did not want to go to school. Yeah. Um, being raised by a single dad, um, grandmother and grandfather are crucially important to these children, and, and surprisingly more than friends at this point, but they have the contact with friends. Um, and so I, I think each situation is really unique, and each age group is unique. And, um, and again, each child, not like some of my kids, I see several children with autism, they're fine. They're, they're, they're all right. They're doing, you know, this is great. Um, I even have an adult with autism who's just recently went back to work and didn't bother him at all his time working it from home. Uh, more extroverted kids are having a harder time. Yeah. They're really missing their friends. Mm -hmm. um, you know, which is interesting different. because it's usually the introverts who struggle more in school right. with the crowds and with the people. So it's interesting for some of those dynamics. Are there other distinctive differences you notice across age groups? You would think, for example, that older children would struggle more with not being in school because they're missing out on a lot of their sports activities, um, milestone activities like homecoming prom, things like that. Um, have you found that to be the case? Mm -hmm. Or, or you know, are there other distinct differences in age, age groups? Mm -hmm. Personally, what I've seen is at the elementary level, you know, we're, t we're teaching foundational skills, whether it's life skills, SEL skills, um, basic math skills. So there's a lot of foundational skills that are taught at the, at the elementary level. Um, and at the middle school and high school level, it's the social aspect of things. You know, when I was in middle school and high school, I went to school because of my friends. I didn't go to school because I wanted to get these great grades and go to this top college. I went to, I went to school because I wanted to see my friends. So for students to miss out on the social aspect of extracurricular and um, sports and, and just seeing their friends and all of that, that makes it really, really hard. Um, just the opportunities that they feel that they have completely lost. Um, is hard for them. Um, but also elementary, they have lost things in a different way um, versus the, the older kids. They've, it's, it's impacted everybody across the board um, in totally different ways. Yeah. I uh, 
think that a lot of the kids um, that are older have an understanding of what the pandemic means, however. Mm -hmm. They get mm -hmm. it. They know what the virus is doing. I think the little kids don't really understand. They don't right. get why I'm wearing a mask. The older kids do. And in those ways, I think mm -hmm. that makes it easier mm -hmm. for older children um, because they are understanding. They can the rationalize it in a way that it. younger children can't. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The little ones, they, they don't get it. They don't understand that. Mm -hmm. So while some aspects are harder for the older kids because social, mm -hmm. cognitively, they're able to understand what's going on. Right. So that mm -hmm. makes it a little easier. Oh, sure. Um, and so I, I think, you know, a, a, another thing that is important to understand, too, with kids returning, um, I was thinking a lot about Maslow's hierarchy, mm -hmm. all right? right, and that from Psych 101, if you mm -hmm. remember that mm -hmm. little triangle with up at the top, we do all these wonderful things of who we are. But at the bottom are the, the first things, the physiological needs have to be met. So if you're not breathing, you're not worried about being hungry. The second level of that is safety concerns, and if people aren't feeling safe, they're not going to be up, go into the psychological concerns. Right. And um, I think for a lot of kids, initially especially, they were so fearful. Even online learning was difficult because no one knew what was going on. That, you know, we get a lot of mixed, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, going to the store became, you wondered if you're taking your life in your hands, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so those concerns have and will continue to impact education and I don't know how mm -hmm. we address all that mm -hmm. I don't think we've just mm -hmm. we haven't figured it out mm -hmm. none of us know how to do pandemic yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Right. yeah and I think the other piece that's impact, impacted us is we're all grieving mm -hmm. this has been tremendous loss and all this for all of us mm -hmm. I've I've not seen my clients face to face since March and I really miss them and while I'm grateful to do teletherapy mm -hmm. it's been a loss for me mm -hmm. um, and, and I have a dog who's part of my practice, and he, he's just beside himself. <laughs> his just, Where are my people? Where are my people? I need them to go. Like, Dude, it's in a pandemic. We can't. So, um, But it's hard for everyone, and there's collective grief, and there's also something called societal anxiety that we're all reacting to. We cannot escape it. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that grieving piece is so important because I think we've heard a lot of folks out there saying, well, it could be worse. Mm -hmm. and, there, and, and, I, and, oh, I, sure. and I think we all understand why we do that, right? We're mm -hmm. trying to give ourselves perspective to help mm -hmm. us understand what we're going mm -hmm. through. Um, so some people, I think, were hesitant to use that term because it felt excessive. Mm -hmm. But it so uh, clearly articulates those feelings that so many of us are having. Mm -hmm. And if you don't go through that series of emotions and you deny that, the grief mm -hmm. is still there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right? And then it comes out, right? In those days where suddenly you just right. find yourself crying and you don't know why, right? Mm -hmm. Because it seems like okay, I'm I'm safe, right? I'm mm -hmm. right. I'm physically right. safe right now. Why am I feeling mm -hmm. this way? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so I'm glad that you brought that up because mm -hmm. I think it is it is so important. And also recognizing we know what grief feels like as adults. Not everyone, mm -hmm. but many adults Most know what that loss, mm -hmm. yeah know what that experience feels like. But our children, most children don't. Mm -hmm. uh, they, we right they don't. And mm -hmm. and oftentimes in this time and in the pandemic, they're on the receiving end mm -hmm. of some of that grief. Yeah. Child abuse, um, neglect, uh, a lot of things that, that you treat mm -hmm. um, in terms of social workers, mm -hmm. you know, you're trained to see, to detect abuse, mm -hmm. to detect children who, who are not being treated well at home, who are struggling um, in different ways. And obviously, Dr. Sandy, you see clients who, who have identified issues that, that need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that in respect to, because a lot of these 
mental health issues, um, just overall grief. People who normally didn't have issues before, you know, everybody is struggling on, on some levels. Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of, of the children that you work with um, and how that's been impacted by the pandemic? Mm -hmm. You know, before the pandemic, one of my, the, the role that I am in, um, I would take small groups and work on mindfulness, work on yes. emotional regulation, work on problem solving, all of those awesome SEL skills. Um, now, those are even more important nowadays than mm -hmm. it is, you know, five months ago. Yeah. Not saying that it wasn't important then, but now Even looking so. at this and it with a different lens, mm -hmm. um, those things are gonna continue. Um, conversations that took place before the pandemic was really, uh, we were focusing a lot on trauma-informed practices. And um, now, it's, that is what you hear all the time, trauma-informed. Um, and so, uh, when we hear that word, we think of, oh, that's, that's really intense, however, um, we're also, the strategies that go with this are all about um, having a connection with one adult, with one person can make that the biggest difference, whether it's a parent, whether it's a caregiver, whoever it is. Um, so I know in my role, um, I'm really gonna have to step that up a lot because our kids need that one person to be um, their support system, along with teaching them how to regulate their emotions. When they have this emotion, it's okay, but what do we do with that emotion? Mm -hmm. And here are some things that we can do. What helps you, what, what do you like, or what, what is gonna help you get out of this, um, this feeling, um, but also validating it. Mm -hmm. um, so I see my work continuing, it's just going to be um, more of, more yes. students are going to need a lot more support than we ever imagined. In the mental health community, we've been talking a lot about the second pandemic is gonna be the mental health needs that emerge from what we've been going through. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we're all bracing ourselves yeah. for what's coming. Um, we know there's increases, like you said before, child abuse. Uh, we know there's increase in domestic violence and drug and alcohol abuse. You know, I, I see a lot of post people joking about one day I'm top, the next day I'm having gin for breakfast. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, you know, but uh, we, as ill-equipped as we have been to deal with the pandemic, we will be equally ill-equipped to deal with the mental mm -hmm. health pandemic yeah. that's coming. I think mm -hmm. loneliness. Mm -hmm. Oh, golly, is yes. is high. Um, mm -hmm. Just some of the anxiety, I think guilt, mm -hmm. feeling bad for not doing things mm -hmm. the right way as if there was a manual that we already knew about that we're yeah. not following. So I think there's so much mm -hmm. um, that we're gonna be dealing with. Has there been positives that you've seen um, with some of your clients or, or, mm -hmm. or students with, with children, particularly in a social emotional aspect um, that this pandemic has revealed. We're learning how to do things mm -hmm. differently. Yes. And, and that doesn't mm -hmm. always necessarily mean that it's bad. Mm -hmm. um, have you noticed any, any positives or silver linings mm -hmm. in some of this? You know, I think you touched upon this earlier um, when you mentioned, you know, extroverts versus introverts. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, some of the students that are introverts, um, that they would go to school every day um, and just, they just want to get their work done, but they're, um, you know, there's outside influences of behavior that are getting in the way of them focusing. Um, so being at home and being able to do it on their terms, not having the chaos of other students, um, 
has been really beneficial to those to those kids. Um, but also, we we also don't want students just to be on their computers learning and not have interactions and connections yeah. and that socialization as well. So yes, I think that there are some students that have done okay with this. Mm -hmm. But we also want to be sure that there are other components that they may not feel is lacking, but we as adults know that they need. Right. You hit upon earlier the comment that kids are resilient. Kids are resilient. Um, and we are all resilient, much more than we give ourselves credit for. As I work as a therapist, I'm always amazed at the resiliency of the human spirit. The stories I hear and what things people go through, and they come out on mm -hmm. the other end. And what we now know, um, what we identify and call post-traumatic strength, that mm -hmm. as people work through those things, they actually come out stronger. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've seen families get closer. I've seen kids become more resourceful. They've learned different things. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandson the other day learned how to take nails out of a board. And, you know, that's kind of a big deal when you're nine. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, it was pretty cool. Good job. To spend a lot of time with daddy and grandpa taking nails right. out of the board. Um, so learning doesn't just happen in the classroom. Mm -hmm. it, it happens at home. It happens for a child. They're little sponges. They're learning all the time. And so kids have continued to learn. And I think they have learned things about maybe a more simple life, that they don't need all the toys and with gadgets and things that um, we can slow down and we can be OK. Mm -hmm. It's all OK. Mm -hmm. I think you know what I'm hearing you say, too, is that as parents, it's those are also opportunities for us to give ourselves a little bit of a break, yes. right? To say that we're, you know, we think that learning has to happen this specific mm -hmm. way, but in that moment where they're outside playing and they're drawing in sidewalk chalk and right. they're pulling nails out of a board, right? That these are also opportunities for us to take a step back, observe our children, allow mm -hmm. them to be, mm -hmm. and that that's okay. That's okay. And, and it just hasn't been okay for, mm -hmm. Society has been telling right. us that that's not enough, right? right? And now we're getting this different mm -hmm. message. So what other, what other pieces of advice do you have for parents who, as we go into this mm -hmm. school year, it's going to look different. We know mm -hmm. that it's going to look different. What, what other advice can you give to parents as they prepare themselves and also their children mm -hmm. to move forward into this space? You know, uh, reassuring our kids that, that everything's going to be okay, because it is. It's going to be okay. It's just going to look really different. And this is going to be a constant change of a way of thinking, a way of approaching situations. Um, but we can always learn from it as well. So I think that it's just really important for us to, um, to, to focus on, on what we can do. I think it's crucial to be honest because um, kids are smart and if you're lying to them they're going to figure it out mm -hmm. and you lose all credibility. Um, so admitting what you don't know. Admitting what you don't mm -hmm. know, telling them the truth what you know. Long conversation I had again with this nine-year-old about the importance of hand washing and why the coronavirus is so important. I was a, a nurse in a past life. I was actually a public health nurse and I've loved epidemiology and, and learning about viruses. It's a nerd thing I do. But um, <laughs> the, the coronavirus is covered by a layer of fat. And one of the things that soap does is it breaks up fat. Yeah. And so it's so important to use soap and water more than all the other things we've talked about is besides masks, is washing your hands. So we had a little talk. He learned about viruses and fat being around in soap and water. Um, but I'm honest, you know, it's a dangerous virus. It's, it, people are dying from it, and this is why we have to be careful. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's just crucial mm -hmm. that we be upfront and not sugarcoat mm -hmm. it. But this is why. This is what we got to do, and this is why we got to do it. Mm -hmm. 
I love what you said about learning happening outside of the classroom because I think that that is mm -hmm. so important and that's what we hope people take away mm -hmm. from this episode. Being honest, being gentle, being compassionate and making the right decision that works for you and your family dynamic and, and what matters to your family mm -hmm. um, with all things considered. So thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We really appreciate you thank being you. here. And I think as we all step away uh, today and, and move into this, what feels like n another new space mm -hmm. in the very near future, um, to remember to have grace for yes. one another mm -hmm. in these spaces, for our children, for our educators, for our school districts, mm -hmm. right? And make sure that we're being good listeners mm -hmm. and we're opening up uh, to the possibility of that newness mm -hmm. and that it's going to be ever-changing. But mm -hmm. uh, together, hopefully, we'll be able to find that common ground. Mm -hmm. So. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode.